Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness podcast hosted by Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Fractor. We are two millennial therapists who enjoy having authentic conversations with real people who share their experiences and passions with a mental health twist. Conversations that inspire discovery of self, insight into deeper spirituality, and alternative ways to support mental health and wellness. As a reminder, this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. All topics discussed on the podcast are from the viewpoint of our guests and their personal experiences. Information shared on the podcast is not a replacement for therapy, therapeutic advice, or medical treatment. On today's episode, we have Helen Denham, a women's empowerment coach, writer, and singer. Helen is a certified behavior change specialist and Reiki 2 healer. Her mission now is to embody her community to design the lives they truly desire through mindfulness, energetic healing, and clear intention. An advocate for empowering women and girls, Helen previously served as the chair of UN Women's YP Committee in New York City for two years and has hosted multiple fundraisers to directly aid our sisters across the globe. Helen also hosts The Lifted Podcast, a space to explore consciousness, holistic healing, and becoming the best versions of ourselves. We had such a wonderful time talking with Helen. Our conversation was thought-provoking, energizing, and beautiful. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Helen. It's so nice to have you on our podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Your whole presence online is beautiful. And congratulations on launching your own podcast, too. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're a fellow podcast host as well. We hear. Yes. How long has your podcast been been going? (laughs) I cannot believe this. We're on episode 63 and I started it just about a year and a half ago. So um, yeah, about a year and a half doing Wednesday mornings every morning um, with some beautiful guests. So I love the podcasting realm. It's just an excuse to have good conversations and keep it real, right? Yeah, that's like our motto is just to keep it real and genuine and have these conversations that we have with each other might as well have with other people and get their, you know, experience and expertise on, you know, a range of topics. What is your podcast? It's called the lifted podcast. Um, and on there, I'm having guests come on and talk about everything related to consciousness, exploring consciousness, mindfulness, mental and spiritual well-being, holistic healing, everything in that realm. Um, because I think from my experience, I've just realized how much people need to feel seen and heard and have, you know, a platform and people that they can, you know, come to, to help them understand like what's going on internally and how to transmute and alchemize all of that internal chatter in a way and make it more meaningful. So that's what's going on over there. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I feel like as you were talking, I'm like, I have um, my essential oil diffuser going and I'm already feeling like this calm presence. And it's just nice. Like you're setting the stage for this episode, which is lovely. Oh, good. Yeah. You got the aromatherapy going. We love that. (laughs) We love that. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I always kind of start at the beginning when I talk about this, because as a kid, I grew up really depressed. Like before age 12, I was already on antidepressants. I was taking Zoloft. And um, to this day, I'm still really not sure why exactly that was happening. I grew up in a really wonderful, caring, loving home. But um, sometimes this stuff just happens, right? And so I was on antidepressants. And um, 
all through middle school, high school. And it honestly is still kind of a blur to me. I was just sleeping a lot. I have trouble remembering a lot of my like preteen life. Um, and it's been a narrative in my family that all the women on my mom's side had depression. And so it was just kind of a belief that was ingrained in me. Like, this is just something that I'm going to have to live with. These are the cards that I've been dealt essentially. So my mom was also on antidepressants and I'm grateful that she allows me to speak about it. So when I was just about to leave high school, we kind of both got together and we were like, why don't we try getting off this medication and try a more holistic approach? We had been really kind of into the law of attraction and she was always doing yoga and kind of mindfulness. She would go to these beautiful meditation retreats and things, but I still wasn't really aware of what was going on in the world. Like my dad's a lawyer, pretty like wonderful, super funny guy, but not really in the spiritual realm. So I didn't really know what to make of anything yet. Um, but I was very curious to know how I would feel off the medication because I was so numb. I was like, I'd rather feel something, even if it's like really heavy stuff than feel just like blank. So I decided to do that. And then I went into college to study music and theater and business because I, I've been passionate about that. And music was actually such a beautiful healing modality just to be journaling and writing poetry in a way and then putting that to music. So that was a really good way to start transmuting a lot of that heaviness. Um, but when I got into college, I still had not really found a way to do that internal work. I didn't have the tools yet at my fingertips to really learn about that. And that manifested as eating disorders. So I went through bulimia and not anorexia, but these very long fasts that were dangerous. I got scouted to model around my sophomore year. And the first thing they told me was you got to drop 15 pounds to get to these measurements. And um, that just <laughs> sent me into a tailspin. I don't know how, I mean, I just couldn't handle it personally. It was too much. Um, so it just triggered super low self-worth body images, dysmorphia, just everything. And I finally just was like, okay, that's not going to work for me. And my family had a little bit of an intervention with me at the time. And they were like, well, Helen, you got to do something here. You're, you're clearly sick. Um, so at that point I was like, all right, it's time to do some research. Like I can't just keep going through these cycles of anxiety and everything coming out of this. Um, and as the universe would have it, I made some really great friends my senior year who ended up introducing me to EFT, um, emotional freedom technique, tapping, um, which is like psychological acupressure for people listening who aren't familiar. We're literally like tapping on different parts of our face and our chest and the side of our rib cage. And we're speaking positive affirmations and kind of um, clearing out some limiting beliefs as we do that. So Brad Yates was one of my first like EFT finds on YouTube. He's wonderful. And EFT really helped me. Um, so it was EFT. And I just started to get obsessed with researching spirituality and just like the consciousness having a physical experience. And who are we? Like, what is the ego? Like, I think a lot of us go through these phases where we just are like, why am I here? What is going on? And we start to have these big conversations. Um, and around the same time, I was introduced to mushrooms and psilocybin. And I've got to say that that was a huge, huge catalyst for me because the experience of mushrooms in a way, um, I keep recommending this to people recently, is Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. It's a documentary about mushrooms. And I went into this documentary thinking they were talking about like foraging and, and hiking in the woods. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then no, they get into like this beautiful research with like cancer patients, hospice patients, people 
nearing death. Um, and they work with mushrooms. Um, and I, so to tell you a little bit more about the experience there, like when you experience mushrooms, it's, it's like you understand yourself as an organic being, a spiritual being having a physical experience. When you look at your body, you see no separation anymore from nature. Um, it's, it's this hyper connection to both the ethereal realms, but it's very grounding because everything is alive around you. And it, re it reveals like the most beautiful parts of life and that experience doesn't leave you. It's not like this crazy drug. It's, it's a plant, it's plant medicine. <laughs> and uh, it really affected me in such a beautiful way to make me realize that I'm such a minute part of this huge macrocosm. But at the same time, the yin to the yang, I'm creating my own reality as we all are. Um, so that was the switch for me. It was like, I'm not a victim of life anymore. I actually am in the driver's seat. So how do I want to create the narrative going forward? What do I want my life to look like? So that just, I just became obsessed with learning about different healing modalities and ways to just overcome all this anxiety that comes up, like re recognizing what isn't mine, what society has instilled in us all of these different things. And I just kind of had this natural progression. Um, I started kind of working in little different jobs coming out of college and hospitality and stuff. But uh, I decided to go to Thailand at one point on a solo trip for about a month and a half and did kind of like a walkabout in a way. Now, and I was just like, when I come back to New York City, where I was living in the time, uh, I really need to be doing work around mindfulness. So I paired up with a meditation studio. And that was about four years ago. And it just kind of grew from there, learning about meditation and facilitating, facilitating meditations for like a year. Um, and then studying Reiki and behavior change and, you know, energetics and really experimenting with myself to see how the law of attraction, the law of action pair together and, and create a reality. So it's just been a curiosity of mine that's just grown and grown and it keeps, keeps getting better. <laughs> But uh, that's my very long-winded story right there and how I ended up in more of the, of the healing and wellness space. It's a, it's a very beautiful story. I love to hear about how your journey kind of progressed to this place where you, like you said, took the driver's wheel and like you're steering your own car. I think for a lot of people that suffer with anxiety and depression and things along those lines, like it starts to become this pattern of just like giving in to that feeling and experience and thinking like, well, this is never going to get better. Nothing I can do can change it. Um, and I've heard, you know, I was just recently speaking with a friend of mine who was telling me, you know, she did mushrooms fairly recently. And I, I saw her for the first time after a year. And I was like, you're not even the same person, like the emotional availability that she had. Um, and it was just beautiful. Like I was like, wow, like, and she was telling me all about it. So I think, it's becoming more normalized and more in conversation with people. And I think that's great. My one question for you, when you were talking about when you were younger and de how having depression, like in your opinion, do you feel like kids and people have depression a lot because of this like stuck mindset around, like you said, not knowing where our place is and kind of feeling like we're just in this bubble? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's different for everybody. And I think you could go two ways with this conversation. Like from my understanding and perspective now, I think it was part of my dharma and my sole purpose to come in with that uh, anxiety and depression because I was able to transmute it. And now I feel like a lot of my purpose is around healing women in my community now, our community. 
At the same time, I do think that the way children are brought up, in my opinion, is so square. Like I, if I were raising my own children at some point, I would love to have them at school, like outside in nature, playing, learning how to grow their own food, um, being outside when it rains. A lot of schools in Europe and like Germany do this with the kids. Instead of having kids under fluorescent lighting and in these square spaces and following these very rigid guidelines because children are so profoundly creative and so much wiser than we give them credit for. And, um, you know, a lot of our coming of age is about like squashing that uh, imagination. So I think a lot of what we're doing now uh, is really an unraveling to actually get back to that childhood self and give love to those parts of us that were, you know, ignored or pushed down and tried to fit in like a little bubble because, I mean, something that's always gotten to me in the past has been like, well, who, what, what is the one thing I'm supposed to be doing? And I'm not sure that that's completely natural because I think the human experience is so multifaceted. Like I, I get so annoyed that I try to switch the conversation too. when uh, people are like, well, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a human. I do a lot of different things. Like depending on who I'm talking to, you're going to get a different version of me. So, and I think that that's what gives people anxiety in general as well as like, all right, you're supposed to be supposed to be quote unquote, doing this right now. That especially hits people in high school and college when they have to decide like, what am I gonna be when I grow up? And it's like, it's such a, I, I feel like archaic way of thinking. Um, it's very linear and uh, you know, we're, we're so much bigger than that as people. So yeah, I think that's a lot of it came from just like the boxes we were put in as kids. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of what you said resonated with me because I always, you know, dub myself like basically like a hippie, hippie child. So from a young age, I was very spiritual. I didn't have that label. My parents were great and open-minded, but, you know, I didn't grow up in, in a family like, you know, with like a, a vegetarian, like animal loving, you know, typical like hippie family. But I, I definitely resonate with what you said just about, you know, we're so many different things. You know, when someone asks me, you know, I'm more than a therapist, I'm all these other things. So when someone asks you, it's like, you do a lot and you bring a lot to your life and you're going to, based on what I know of you in this conversation, it's going to be continually evolving and you're going to be growing. And that's a, a good way to be. Uh, what is your sun, moon, and rising signs? Oh, yeah. I am a Cancer sun, Gemini moon, and Cancer rising. Okay. That's funny. I was, think, I was thinking water. Mm -hmm. Wasn't sure which one, but I was like, there's water energy here. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> That's so cool. And then the Gemini moon, just like thirst for knowledge, thirst for like connection with people. Mm-hmm. My brain, I'm just chat, chat, chat all the time. That's why podcasting is great. And just, I think that's why I liked New York, New York city a lot. And I think I'll eventually go back there. Cause it's like the Gemini pace. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Where are you located now? Place. I am in Topanga, California, which oh. is basically oh, Los yeah. Angeles. It's right above Malibu, but it's like a big state park. Yeah. Um, we know so. we're both from California. <laughs> oh, you are. Where are you guys right now? <laughs> I'm in studio city. Oh, of course. Okay. So. <laughs> and I live in Connecticut now. I moved three years ago, but um, I used to work at an agency right outside of Topanga. So I had clients up in Topanga Canyon and um, it's yeah. beautiful. Oh, you know, one time I stopped Topanga Canyon from like burning down. Like that's like my, my um, helpful story that I tell people like they, a cop had like done one of those flares. It's totally off topic. And 
it was because there was an accident and I was like sitting there in traffic watching it. I'm like, I don't know if this is, this is good. Like they started to like the, like you could see it. It started to like catch up on fire. So I got out of my car and took my giant water bottle and just like put it out. Oh, good for you. Because (laughs) literally it's, I think somebody told me this crazy statistic that like 90% of the fires here are started by people. They're not natural. Like they're just little accidents like this or like people being crazy and starting fires. But, um, oh, thank God, you really might have done a big thing there because these fires get crazy. But yeah, totally, totally off topic. But it just made me think about that time. I was (laughs) like, I think I should put this out. I hope the cop doesn't get mad, but I feel like I should do this. Yeah. I think the next question that, well, that I want to ask you is I sort of, I mean, I know what Reiki is, but what is Reiki for our listeners that are unfamiliar? Um, I actually went to an event a couple of years ago in Malibu and it was beautiful at Malibu Wines and it was like a wellness retreat festival thing. And there was Reiki there, uh, but it was like a, you know, a 10 minute modified version. So I don't know if it's um, different, but I am going to do my best to describe it because I think Reiki is best perceived when experienced. So, but the way that I can describe it is it's a harnessing of our chi, our life force energy. Reiki just refers to and translates to universal life force energy. So it's working with that energy that we all have. And I think we're all capable of uh, performing Reiki on ourselves and other people you know, when you hit your knee on something or you stub your toe, you're, you're, you automatically put your hands on that area to like pour energy into that area. And that's not to be underestimated. Like if we, if our, if we're sad or we're trying to connect with people, our hands usually go to our hearts. So taking note of where you're naturally putting your hands, like if you're stressed, like you might put it here, like here, if you're experiencing trouble communicating, So it's really just a way of working with the energy that's already within us and pulling it around and working with it because it's, it's actually very maneuverable um, and malleable. So, I mean, when you are doing Reiki and when I was learning it and the practice, you can literally feel your hands charge up with Reiki energy and just, it's just energy, you know, like it's all around us. Like we're just matter is just dense particles, right? Like put together, but really we are very, like we're all interconnected. So it's harnessing that you can kind of build up this heat and this magnetism between your hands and start to run it and charge up your chakras in the body. So when I'm working with people, I usually just do a chakra balancing. And as you run your hands over your different chakras and your energy centers, you can feel um, a little bit of dissonance if somebody's feeling blocked. So For example, if somebody's having trouble and they're maybe in a lot of arguments or they're having trouble communicating or or speaking their truth, there will usually be some kind of dissonance and block in their throat chakra that you can actually feel as you run your hand over it. Um, And as you pick up on these subtle tonations and energies, the more you work on it, the more you really start to pick it up. Like, whoa, okay, there's a clear block here. And you can like pull that energy out and... um, give blessings and prayers for people to help them and really speak that into existence. So yeah, it's really just an art of balancing your energy fields. And there is definitely this ethereal kind of mystical aspect to it that is the, the kind of what factor that we all have in life. Like what is life? What is going on? Because there are some things that happen in Reiki sessions that are indescribable Sometimes spirit might come in if they have people who have passed or loved ones that want to be with them and help. You might feel a presence come in or they might get like a download um, on the table. Like 
I feel my grandmother with me or something or something might come through because you're kind of opening yourself up to love. So in every session, I always set the intention of just opening only to benevolent and kind and loving energy so that that can work. But yeah, it's just a beautiful way to balance and clear out and we can do it to ourselves. You know, I love to just put on a chakra balancing meditation on YouTube and just like place my hands over my body there. I actually have one on my podcast, a chakra balancing meditation, and you kind of walk you through it, but you can use your hands as you, as you experience that. So I hope that makes sense. There's a lot that goes into it. It does make sense. And I actually really liked how you brought up that we naturally put our hands on our body as a sense of comfort and healing. And I'd never really thought about that. I feel like a lot of these spirituality things that, you know, like Reiki and meditation, all of them are just natural to us as humans that we've started to block out and naysay because of the way our society is now, like everything's fast paced and, you know, we need like facts and everything has to be seen to be believed things along those lines. But like, you're saying really, like when you stub your toe, when you're, even when you're sad and heartbroken, like the of us just kind of going to those places that are naturally connected in the chakras like that. Like it just shows that at our, at our bare bones, like we believe in this stuff and we do these things. We're just not allowing ourselves to be aware of it. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's such a great way to think about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It just makes me think of like the saying, like emotion is energy in motion. So like you're saying, when your heart hurts or your heart broken, you literally put your, cause it's a physical experience uh, tied to that emotion. So it's really not separate. I think all of a lot of our physical ailments are just manifestations of dense emotion, like emotion trapped. I think a lot of cancer forms because of like just subconscious pain that hasn't been transmuted yet. Um, and there's so many studies that, you know, trace back where each ailment comes from and how it relates directly to the emotional body and the pain body. So it's so important to take care of our energy fields and make sure that we're feeling good. And yeah. It's also amazing too, that when we feel like muscle aches, headaches that we think, oh, we're sick and yeah, that could be it. Or we're holding on to so much. And once we release it, we feel better. I, I went through that a few years ago where I was just in a lot of pain uh, enough that I was like, okay, I hope I don't have like a serious you know, illness, but it was really just stress manifesting in my body. And so I've kind of learned how to work with that as well. But I would love to know more about your wellness routine and what that looks like. And I'm sure it switches up all the time. Yeah. Let's see what, I mean, on, I'll give you my like ideal day <laughs> of a wellness routine. Um, and I still wish I was a little bit more disciplined with this as well, but I mean, I think as I rise in the, in the mornings, I I've really been trying to make sure that I drink water with lemon right before going for coffee. I know that's a very like LA drink your lemon water kind of thing, but it's so real because it really helps your digestion and, and gets your body flowing. So I would typically go straight for coffee. And uh, I'm trying to just like take my caffeine high down in the morning a little bit so that I can ease into the mornings a little bit better. And also like I do look at my phone in the morning, but I'm really trying to allow myself to just not respond to everything right away as an act of like sovereignty. Like I don't have to give people access to me as soon as I wake up. Like this morning I woke up for, for like texts and voice notes coming in at like 6.30 a.m. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take my time. I'm not going to respond until I'm ready and my energy's good. 
Um, I really like to just walk outside and stand in direct sunlight when it's, you know, low before like 930 and just bathe in the sunlight for a minute because I, I know a lot, a lot of us are like obsessed with sunscreen and sun damage is scary, but we really need that, um, that vitamin D. So I try to just stand in the sun. Um, and I really make an effort to just try to take 10 conscious deep breaths. And for me, as I'm just constantly chattering my mind, everything that in itself is a challenge for me to just take 10 conscious deep breaths without doing anything else. And then just get into the day. And in the evenings, I always love to take a little walk for like 30 to 40 minutes, just leave my phone and go walking. And Topanga is such like a <laughs> fun little hippie area. So you can walk around barefoot, take your shoes off, just go on a hike, do whatever you want. So um, I really, that's my time to like, that's like a walking meditation. I talk out loud to myself. I brainstorm ideas. I'm like, okay, how's it going? I try to reflect on the day and think about like what went really well, what I'm really proud of myself for, um, what I might be able to improve on and what I'm looking forward to. So just to give me kind of a holistic view of the day. Yeah, I find that the better foods that I eat, the better I feel, which is still up and down for me. <laughs> I realize that like as I shop and you know cook healthy meals for myself, I just feel more in control. And just making sure that the media I'm consuming, the podcasts I'm listening to, the television shows I'm watching are high vibrational and not putting in like fear, uh, you know, so trying to maintain my like media diet in a good way as well. So those are th some things that I pay attention to on a daily basis for sure. Lots of intentionality in that, in your nighttime routine. I really like too that you, you talk to yourself. I, I tell my teen clients this all the time and they sometimes think I'm crazy. And I'm like, it is so good to talk to yourself. You just process things so much more when you just have a conversation with yourself. Like, I don't know about Lauren, but I talk to myself when I'm in the car all the time. Like that's my private time to like have a conversation with myself. And <laughs> I find that by the time I get to my destination, I've had just way more revelations about what's going on. I feel like I've res resolved a lot of things and it's good to spend that time with yourself. Like there's a lot of time spent alone to reflect and whatnot. Yeah. How do you feel like your mental health has been like after college and with all of this, you know, kind of healthier information you're, you're taking in? So much better. Um, but you know what? I always tell people, like, I don't think that there's this big end all be all huge pinnacle of like enlightenment where we are completely like done, healed, good to go. It takes like consistent daily um, intentionality, like you were saying, and upkeep and mental well being and, you know, spiritual well being take that like hygiene in a way. So um, I should have mentioned journaling as well is hugely transformational for the same reason and the same way that talking to ourselves is because it's a way to become like an objective observer and see what's really going on out on the page and feel like you've got a better idea of what is really going on. So I feel so much better. And I think as we feel better, we attract better things into our lives. So my entire friend group has changed. The people I surround myself with have changed in a beautiful way. And the places I'm in have changed. Like your, your life really does reflect your vibrational frequency um, to a huge degree. So I mean, everything has changed for sure. But um, I recently launched a course around maintaining confidence. And when I say confidence, I'm really just referring to self-worth and building our self-worth, our self-efficacy. And I take that course myself frequently. I'm constantly going back to it because it's a practice. That's why we call meditation and yoga or whatever we're doing for ourselves a practice because 
there isn't a, uh, an end date. It's, it's a daily practice. So that's how I perceive it. And I really make an effort to be as gentle with myself as I possibly can, because I think it's so, it's just so easy to get into the state of like, you have to do better, like go, 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 like hard on ourselves. And I just try to remember myself as like a child really. And coming back to that place of compassion and being very gentle, it's like easy, come back to the breath. It's, it's all going to be okay. It's going to work out. Um, yeah. And just kind of designing my mental headspace like that. So that's yeah, definitely getting gotten a lot better. I feel like I'm a very like happy person. Like uh, this is how I am most of the time. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And that's, that's taken work though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of work to get to where you intend to be. We have questions to ask you on confidence. So we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Um, but you know, there's days where you're just not, you're going to wake up and you're not feeling like yourself. And I think one of the things big misconception is that people in the wellness and spiritual world are happy all the time, enlightened all the time. Obviously we know that um, being human, you can't have every day be a good day. That's just not realistic. So you mentioned, you know, giving yourself some grace, compassion. Is there anything else you do on days where you're just not feeling like yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think that really should be honored as much as our good days are, because there's a reason that that's coming up. There's something coming up that needs to be uh, transmuted and attention needs to be brought there. So if some days I do get really triggered, you know, recent, I have a, I'm still working through big blocks of rejection as I'm sure all of us are, but like, if some, if I feel like I'm not getting a response fast enough or like, you know, somebody doesn't want to invite me to be somewhere. I, I might even be completely making it up in my own mind, but sometimes I definitely get triggered. So I, on those days, I really just try to honor that and, and dig, dig into the why, like, what is the root cause of this feeling? Why, why is this coming up so strongly today? How can I get more curious about this discomfort instead of pushing it away and being like, okay, I'm going to you know, try to have some green juice, go on a run, all these things that are kind of surface level that are going to distract me from the discomfort and instead really sit in solitude for a minute and be like, what is the root cause? And it usually comes down to like childhood, quote unquote, trauma that all of us face, you know, before we were even 14 years old, like coming down, like all of my issues around rejection are fear of not being loved for who I authentically am from like before age 14. So when that all comes up, I'm like, okay, I have a better grasp on this. How can I just get into the heart space and calm down a little bit? And it's okay. It's okay that I'm going to have a bad day today. And maybe there's no fixing that needs to happen. And it's just opening the space and allowing it and honoring it when it comes up. Like, I don't need, I'm, I think a lot of the wellness world, it's easy to get into like, everybody needs to be fixed. And I really want to make sure that I don't ever say that with any of the work that I'm doing. It's like, you're a problem to be solved because there is no problem with those heavier, denser emotions. It's actually a blessing when they come up because we can, we can get down to the root and start to do healing on, on the ground level there. So yeah, they come up for sure. And sometimes you just need a rest day too. Some days I'm like, all right, I'm going to clear my calendar right now because um, I need to just chill and take a, take a break. Right. Yeah. You know, I talked to my kids a lot about that too. My clients about saying like, you know, just because you're anxious doesn't mean you need to do something to fix it or whatever feeling you're having doesn't need to be solved. Sometimes it just needs to be felt. And that brings up a lot of awareness and insight. And it sounds like you've been able to develop that insight of like, okay, now it's time to really look at what's going on and where this might be coming from. 
And I think for a lot of people, that's that's really hard. Like it takes a lot of time to get to a place where they can can sit down and look at themselves and look at where the feeling may be stemming mm. from. Yeah, and you know what? That is what what else comes up with a mushroom journey that comes up. So that's why I think people are scared of psilocybin and uh, psychedelics is because that comes up. All of your shadow is going to come up. That's the most profound part of it, honestly. And it can be scary because it's so uncomfortable. Like you don't want to take a look at that stuff, but that is where like we have to brought, bring attention to it. Otherwise it's never going to get uh, worked through. And uh, so I thought I'd throw that in there, but yeah, absolutely. It does take time to get to that place. Um, but yeah, just getting quiet and sitting with it. And it always helps me to get into nature. So if I really, if I'm having like a hard weekend, I just go on a camping trip. I take my tent and all my camping stuff and I drive up to like Big Sur or something. And I, I do really well in solitude. That's my Cancerian nature. So I take solo camping trips a lot. That's beautiful. There's something you said earlier that I think blew my mind. And it was when you were, you were talking about before the age of 14, the rejection of not feeling like your authentic self. And I think that I have the same thing because my parents, you know, gave me a lot of attention. I had a lot of love growing up, but there are times that I still feel like I don't fit in because I'm definitely different. I've been told that, you know, well, I, I know I'm very intuitive. I'm told that if I really wanted to channel it, I could probably be some type of medium. And there's something that's always followed me, some type of energy that's just followed me from my youth to now. And so I just wanted to bring that up because I, I just feel like I, I feel like, and I know we're interviewing you, but it almost feels like you're also interviewing us because I feel really connected in this conversation right now. And I just wanted to um, share that. So oh, I feel I safe because I feel safe sharing that and in this space. So thank you. Thank you, Helen. Oh, Lauren, I love that. That means a lot to me that you you feel safe and comfortable to talk about that. And I love that you're bringing this up because I I would love for you to like trust those intuitive hits. I bet you can channel and I'd be curious to know what would happen if you did some like automatic writing or just dropped into a meditation and allowed that to happen. But um, I am so with you there. I have always been the black sheep of the family. Um, and my mom, you know, was kind of, she was all, she went through a huge, huge personal transformation. My parents got divorced. She became a different person. Like it's just a crazy story that I won't get too far into, but um, she and I are super similar. And I was mentioning earlier that we got off our antidepressants together. So we've always been linked. And one of my biggest fears is that I will become so much like my mother and how she changed that my father will reject me because he divorced her. And like that, I mean, I get chills just thinking about it because I was just home like a couple weeks ago going home. And like, when we go into the family home, I think it's common to like revert to our childhood selves, but I just had a complete breakdown. I, when I started my podcast, it was extremely triggering for my family because I'm talking about crazy things to a lot of people. Like, the spiritual world, um, I mean, in our world is like very normal, but I forget that a lot of people aren't, you know, familiar with these topics and these kinds of explorations. So, oh my goodness, it takes, it takes some courage to get in there, but uh, <laughs> there is, yeah. yeah, that it definitely comes back to that childhood stuff. Absolutely. And uh, to keep pushing forward there, there have been a lot of times where I'm like, 
I need to tone it down. I need to pull it back because my family is going to like disown me, which is irrational. They love me. They never would. And they always tell me this, but I have, I have that deep seated fear that there is something too crazy about me to deserve love. So yeah, I think a lot of us can find something in there that's similar. So I wanted to hop back into something you were talking about that I could actually really relate to. And that is when you go home, you revert back to your childhood self. And I find that so amazing. It happens to me super easily. Um, I also suffered with a lot of depression and anxiety as a child and now as an adult, but have learned a lot more skills on how to manage it. But the second that I am in my parents' household again, it is so much harder to cope with all of those things. And I'm curious from your perspective, why you think that happens for us? Like why we just revert back to our childhood self right away. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, I think it's like the first thing that came to mind was how, when we feng shui our homes, like, and change around the furniture, doesn't everything start to feel different. And like when we move into a new apartment or house, like the whole energy shifts. So when we go back to a home that looks the same and feels the same, it like brings up the same emotions. And I mean, you think of like aromatherapy and scents, like the scent really triggers us, just like music can bring us back to a same place. Like, so I think just like our senses just perceive everything we were like directly in contact with at such a young age. So my house still smells the same. It's like, I mean, you get in, your dad and your mom still think of you as kids. So they're like tell, bossing you around. I'm like, stop, I'm like 28. But uh, yeah, I think it's just easy to get back into that flow. Um, so now I've actually like read, we've had a lot of changes done to my childhood house, but like I've put up, you know, new paintings and things so that when I go home, I don't get, I don't switch into that mode so much. And I also like openly communicate my boundaries. Like if I get texted a to-do list by my parents in the morning, I'm like, Hey guys, I need to have this time for myself and like this time for family time. So it's very funny. I think, I think it just has a lot to do with our senses and like this container that we were in, because I think from, you know, in high school, we're with our parents, we develop these very specific memories and then we leave, like we don't see them. We communicate like once a week, every month, whatever we do. But like they still, their whole perception of us is still like age zero to 18 or whatever. So like it immediately just triggers that memory response. They, they, they barely even know us who we are in the world, which is something that's so funny. Like I'm always kind of reintroducing myself to my dad, especially I'm like, this is who I am. <laughs> I'm a little different now, but yeah, I think that's, that's just what happens. Yeah. That's a great point too, that they don't really know us anymore. And so it's almost like what parts of us do we want to introduce to them now that we are, you know, separated from the nest and whatnot and what parts do we not? And then it's, I almost wonder if like the parts we're not trying to show them, we then revert back to the parts that they know so that there's a familiarity for them and who we are. So it's very complex. I have such a huge interest in like family dynamics and trauma and whatnot, but I was curious to hear your perspective just on that. So thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. 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 It's all, it's all in there. It's all pretty deep. And all of that, like it always, it's funny, like cycles just come back over and over again. Like all the, the conversations that we were having in high school around my family dynamics and all that trauma around my parents' divorce, like still comes up uh, 15 years later, the same conversations in, in circuits. It's like, okay guys, let's just, let's, let's get some closure. Let's break the chain. 
But I think that happens with a lot of families and it's like, there just has to be, you know, I think big conversations need to happen where it's like everybody just finds closure in one way, shape or form for the hard stuff. And we just continue to open up conversations around what's new and what we're working on and excited about, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so true. My therapist said it that, you know, like you said, the same cycles are going to continue to happen because that's how the family survives. Like that's their life force is to rely on those cycles. And it takes an amazing miracle of somebody being far more healed than the rest of them to even try to break that cycle. And so it feels a little hopeless sometimes, but it is, it's totally doable to be the healed person in your family, which also sometimes makes you the black sheep in the family. Yeah. Um, and that just reminds me of what we were just talking about, like the, the relating, because like the story, whatever story you guys developed as like a little family in those 18 years before you left, like that's, that's the place of familiarity. That's where you find you can connect to each other. That's where you feel like you can share love and like understand each other because exactly like we're living such different lives now. Like I'm across the world in California. I'm from Maine originally. And like, it's just, that's our connecting force. So if, if we could find, like, it always helps to find like books that we circulate and like books that we're loving or just like bring up new topics, introduce new things to connect on so that that childhood stuff doesn't keep coming up. Um, but yeah, you're, you're so right about that, Ryan. Like the, you know, the healed ones are sometimes, sometimes a little triggering for the rest of the family. <laughs> My family's like, okay, Helen, we got it. Like you're into wellness for <laughs> the rest. Yeah. Totally. Cause we're the ones that are trying to challenge that safety net, you know, and try to push them outside of that. So they can get pretty feisty trying to, to fight back against that. Um, the other thing we really wanted to circle back to is your course on confidence. And, you know, we really just want to talk about like women and confidence and just connection and how we can improve all of that, especially because society likes to hammer us women down in any way possible. Yeah. And I think that's something that's coming to light a lot is like the divine feminine is just as powerful as the masculine. And we're living in such a masculine, like patriarchal world right now where it's very linear, like very strategic. It's all about growth and optimization and strategy, which is beautiful. But there's also a way to like flow and bring more ease and presence into our lifestyles and still create prosperity. So I think that's more what I'm trying to communicate is this like gentleness and this ease and um, building up our self-worth and our self-efficacy and uh, changing our behavior through tapping back into that defined feminine and, you know, using those tools that we were talking about earlier, like EFT um, meditation and mindfulness. Um, I definitely bring out guided visualization journeys in the, in the course that I've created because the subconscious is so powerful as you guys know. So if we can just tap into that and start to reprogramming, reprogram those self-limiting beliefs and replace those beliefs with the better feeling, um, you know, that's what it's all about. So when I'm thinking about women in our community and confidence, it's really just like honoring who we are and not trying to like twist ourselves into some kind of contorted version of what society tells us we have to do to be quote unquote successful. Um, and I just love seeing women come into their power and just like really stand in it because I don't know, I always, okay, there's this narrative. I think probably a lot of women grow up with is like marry rich. And it was like a joke kind of in our family, like, okay, Helen, just marry like a rich, rich guy. You'll be good to go. And like, 
I love that share quote, like I am the rich man, like, you know, like, so that's been like a driving force in the back of my mind. When I think about building wealth or money, I'm, I've just been kind of recently obsessed with money because I think it's so related to energy, but, um, it's that whole narrative for me is about taking my power back as a woman and being like, no, I don't need to marry rich. Like I can be that person. So I mean, that's all to say, regardless of prosperity, money talk at all, it's about, you know, your, your self-worth and, um, who you believe yourself to be and what you're capable of becoming. There's nothing more attractive than a confident person. And I was actually having this conversation with one of my friends yesterday and just letting her know that she doesn't even realize how far she's come and her self-healing self-worth journey. And I said, I can see that you're more confident because there really is that energy or physical something when someone is around another person. And, you know, it's not even so much what they're saying, it's how they're holding themselves. It's that they're saying what they're saying you know, in a, a assertive way. And I think it's, it's really, it's hard. Confidence is one of those topics where, man, if I could give every person the confidence to just believe in themselves, it would be so powerful and amazing. Mm-hmm. But wh- why do you think that so many women particularly struggle with confidence? Well, I think we were just taught to rely on people outside of ourselves to feel safe and to feel secure. And we were not taught really self-reliance, or at least I wasn't. It was like a weird mix. It was like, okay, go to college, like get a job and stuff, but like find somebody to take care of you. And like, so that makes you automatically feel as a young woman, like you're not capable of like being okay on your own. So I think that takes just work in itself. So, I mean, I love, like I was saying earlier to do solo travel and I I encourage everybody to just try that, to just like be with themselves because I remember the first trip that I took, like I went to the Turks and Caicos alone for like a week and I landed there and I remember just like getting my rental car and I realized like it was the first time, like no, nobody knew me anywhere. I wasn't with anybody at all. And I was like, I was like nervous. I was like stuttering. I was like, whoa, like how I behave has so much to do with the people around me and how they're influencing my speech and my patterns and my behavior. Like, who am I alone? Who am I without any external forces around me? And that just like, that changed something in me too. I was like, oh, this is who I am. And like, here's where confidence comes out. Um, And, you know, I think how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you are like, taking the time to take care of yourself and you're organized and you're setting goals in a way like that translates into your energy and your energy is going to introduce you before you even step into the room and speak to people. Like people feel that they feel how relaxed you are. If you're making eye contact, if you're speaking from the heart, like that energy is just like transparent and there's no working your way around it. And that just comes, I think with, with that, with that inner work and being really comfortable alone and knowing that you can take care of yourself. Um, but another thing I always love to talk about, which I learned a lot through like behavior change studies is that goal setting is really helpful because it proves to us that like, when we set something, we can accomplish it and and we should really celebrate ourselves for it. But learning how to set goals effectively is, is something that we might not be taught that often. And a lot of us are taught to like, you know, develop what's your life look like in five years. Well, that's a little hard to wrap our minds around. It's like, uh, I think I want to be here, but my life personally changes so fast. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be in eight months, um, you know, location wise or anything. So I think it helps to have like 
a goal that's like three months in a container so that it's very tangible and you can break it down like month by month, week by week, day by day, because it feels so good to show yourself, like I said, I was going to do this and I did it. Like there's no better feeling in the world to be like, I said I was going to do it and I did it. Uh, and if we send it too far out, then it can actually like, you know, dampen our self-worth because we're like, oh, I didn't do it. I'm so down on myself. So that's just a lot of things going into the, answering that question. But um, yeah, I think just proving to yourself that you could do it and like actually actively going after those more difficult circumstances. Therapy uses a lot of goal setting, at least the type that I, I believe Ryan as well, but the type that I do. And it's so important to set goals that are attainable because it feels so much better when you make it there. You know, nothing has to be like five days a week. I've got to work out. It's like move your body one day a week. So yes. if you get two or three and it becomes habit, like how good does that feel? Mm-hmm. Feels amazing. And then you feel more confident and comfortable and then you go for the next layer and it, it's, it's cool. So in therapy, we use a lot of goal setting. So we know it very well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's been so transformational and to just building habits. Exactly. Cause I mean, to just get, to become a new person, you have to completely change habits and, and lifestyle things. And that's, that's a long haul. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. And that, you know, that's a big thing I learned just around taking care of myself, that there's not an overnight quick fix. It's just like, just be gentle, take it step by step. And I love that you say that it's like, you know, you don't need to work out heavy, go to the gym five times a week, just move your body a little bit. I think I made the exact same intention. I was like, let me just move a little bit, maybe just eat a couple more vegetables a day um, instead of being so intense. But yeah, I love that. Yeah. And another thing too, um, something you mentioned made me think of this, just when you're in that healing journey and you're shedding your old self, we've had a lot of episodes uh, touching on grief, a full grief episode, but there is that layer too, that people need to remember is that as you continue to heal and grow, part of your old self will die and you have to be aware and comfortable to allow that process to happen And I think that that's why I believe so much in spirituality and wellness, because I feel really connected. So I'm, you know, shedding my old self into my new self and then incorporating some type of like wellness practice that supports my new self and less of my old self. That's always important to bring up too in that healing journey. That's such a good point that you're bringing up too. I mean, it relates so much to letting go of outcomes and relinquishing expectations. And that also loops into comparison because when we think, you know, like I have to be here, this is what I've given up. Like I have to make this much by the time I'm 30 or be here by the time I'm 30, like all of that, it makes me feel so bad about myself because I completely lose sight of like how much I've actually done and how proud I really should be of of all that growth because I'm just like, I've got this ridiculous little sticky point in my head. Um, So yeah, I think goal setting is different than like having these crazy expectations because expectations almost set this standard. That's like, I'm not going to love myself until, you know, it gives this ultimatum for compassion for yourself. And that can be so damaging. Um, So yeah, I love that you bring that up, Lauren. It's like, it's yeah, we are grieving aspects of ourselves that die. Like I, I always thought I was going to be a singer. Like I really was like, I'm going to push, 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 like go to school, go to conservatory and become like a really successful singer. I still love making music, but I had, I had no idea I was going to be in the healing and wellness space two years ago. Like I was kind of hinting at it. I was starting to work at these meditation spots, everything, but like 
I am so more deeply rooted in my purpose now and so more fulfilled and I'm still making music. So it's like, you know, it's, and if I had just held on to that outcome of like, you know, it would have completely changed my perspective on life. So to be flexible enough to go with the flow like that and just follow your calling in a way and just pay attention to those pings, like what's lighting you up right now. And maybe in, you know, five years, my trajectory is completely different and that's okay. It's like, we don't have to be stuck to one thing for our entire lives, you know, just giving ourselves more freedom and grace in that way. Yeah. That flexibility. And like I, like you said, you know, goal setting is to drop the expectations around it. Like having these ideas, I started like not even, you know, like January 1st, having like these like goals or whatever. And I've kind of created more of them more vague so that I stopped putting so much pressure on myself to make a goal happen that looked like, you know, in this box, very specific, because that's just not like you're saying how life works. And if you're open to moving towards that goal in a way that the universe has planned out for you, it's pretty amazing how you end up there. It's just not how you expected you would end up there, uh, which I think is really beautiful and can help with our confidence a lot that we're going to get where we want to go. It just probably is not going to look anything like we have imagined in our mind. Literally so true. Exactly. And I love that you brought up like um, chilling out on the new year's resolutions. (laughs) This is my first year as well. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Like (laughs) I'm just not even going to set my resolutions because it's like, it's too much pressure and too much stress. And every year, like I always set them too big because a year in my life is too far ahead. Like three months is really just the best container for me. And I think there is a way like, you know, there's a balance and a harmony to be had there. Like on my mirror, I've got my sticky notes of like three things I'm working toward. Like, you know, I want to speak at this kind of event. I want to launch merch. I want to release a music video. And like, that's things that I know they're going to happen. And so how can I just need them in my sight? Um, But there's none of that, like, all right, I need to release this before I turn 30 or else I'm a failure. It's like, okay, this is what's lighting me up right now. And this is the path I want to follow. And I want to remember this. Um, And I love, I have this board with just like six sticky notes that I move. And as I accomplish when I move it to the next, it's just really fun and satisfying to see the board fill up on the other side. Um, You know, and I have my three month container. So it's like, all right, can I actually rationalize like accomplishing these six things within three to six months? Yeah, totally. And like, be really realistic about it and be like, cause it, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, I'm going to have like a hundred thousand dollars in savings in like three months. Like it's going to make you feel terrible, but um, you know, smaller things, like I wanted to launch merch. So that was a big sticky note. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to sit with this and make it happen. And it, and it felt wonderful. So kind of hounding on the same topic, but yeah, it feels good. I love that you use sticky notes. I do that all the time. And I also have like a million notes on my phone where I've got like thing. I have like a whole list of things I've already accomplished. So when I start to get in my head, cause I'm in the Capricorn moon. So I'm all about like hustle until you meet all your goals, which can cause a lot of anxiety and issues. So I have to like go back and look at my list of things like, holy fucking shit, look how much I've done. And people will tell me like, Ryan, you're 29, you've done X, Y, and Z. Like most people never try to do that in their lives. And I'm like, but, but, you know, you have to really think like, okay, but wow, like I have done a lot. I I need to start focusing on like how much I have accomplished and stop focusing on how I feel like a failure because I'm not where I want to be, quote unquote. 
Yes. I love that you have that in your notes, like everything you've already accomplished. I think that's so powerful. I just had my newsletter, self-care Sunday community send in like 20 things that they bring to the table, like just list out 20 things that you love about yourself, 20 things that you bring to the table. Sometimes that's even hard to like come up with and they can be the most simple things. Like I am really good. Somebody sent it. I'm really good at cooking lasagna. I always hug people when I meet them. <laughs> I love to just go out and stare at the moon at night. I was like, yes, I love that. It doesn't have to be these huge things. It's like the joy of living. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget how beautiful life is. Just to be alive is a blessing and a gift. And we don't need to be doing all these crazy things to prove our worth and to prove our, you know, aliveness, you know, just being alive and healthy is enough. Um, you know, and I think just bringing it back down to basics like that is so important. And just remembering that like, we're also like one in 7 billion. So when we get really into our heads and like, so out there, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's going to be okay. <laughs> we're just like one little human in all of this huge world. Uh, but you know, and we're, it's just us in our own heads and to not take anything personally, because when I start to freak out, I'm like, everybody's living their own lives. So let me just take care of my, my life here for the time being, because that's you are, it's you and you in your head. So make friends with that. <laughs> yeah. Right. We put so much pressure too. And it's funny, like just going back to goal setting, it's like, we think society has told us, you know, we need to meet all these requirements. And it's so funny because like for some people, that's not even an interest of theirs. Like for me, would it be awesome to own property one day? Sure. Do I need to? No, I really don't. So putting, you know, saving up for a house is not a priority for me. So when other people get a house, I feel like, wow, that's incredible. But it doesn't mean that that needs to be my goal too. But we see other people and we're like, well, I don't have a house. Oh man, I don't have enough money for a house. And it's like, but do you want a house? Do you Mm. want this? And sometimes I even have to do this where I'm like, you know, people are getting, you know, married, uh, you know, we're in our late twenties. So people are getting married and that's great, but I'm not in a financial position to get married right now. It's not something I need to do. I can wait a few years and, you know, see what happens, but it's just interesting that pressure we put on ourselves when we look at other people and it's not always what we want when it's what we want, obviously that drives us, but if it's not, it's like, why why are we getting upset here? We don't Mm -hmm. even want this. Oh my God. Such a good point to bring up because we're all in our late twenties right now. And it's like, yes, I, I mean, I'm not even dating right now. I'm not even thinking about buying a house and all my friends are like getting married, having, you know, babies, houses, everything. But yeah, I'd love that you bring that up because that definitely did trigger like, uh Oh, like, is it, am I behind As I'm always like, am I behind everybody? It's like, no, I'm on a completely different trajectory and just like following what authentically lights you up. Like I am just so excited about business right now. And like, women and podcasting and everything. And I'm so excited about that. Like, I'm not even concerned about getting a house, but the lifestyle is completely different and it's a choice. And I also find that like, if we are comparing ourselves or, you know, if we find the envies coming up around people that are in our sphere and we really do look up to, I always try to reframe that into being like, you know, um, they're expansive for me. They're showing me the way, like there's something in them that is showing me what I'm capable of too. That's the only reason my emotions are getting heightened right now is because I see my potential in them. Um, and that can be really exciting and just finding people. I think that's one thing with goal setting that can be really helpful actually is find examples of people who are already doing what you want to do and study how they achieved that. 
and know that you can do the same thing. And I think sometimes what holds people back from going for what they really want early on is they think that they need to be like a certain expert or have all these credentials in, in a way. And like, really like people, um, you know, in their forties, I talk to sometimes they're like, oh, I could have done that in my twenties, but I just didn't realize like nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> so they just have to like learn it on the fly. We could do it at any time. So yeah. 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 That's so true. And it's funny because like the only time I feel like anyone is behind is when they've been talking about doing something for a long time and they haven't taken any steps to get there. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I would say someone's behind. So if someone's wants, okay, again, I'll use the house thing. They want a house, you know, in the next five years and they're not saving up money. They're not looking into, you know, all the different realtor and all that garbage that I'm not even familiar with. Um, And then, you know, it's five years later and I would be like, yeah, you're probably a little behind because you had this goal and you didn't take any steps. Even if the steps take longer than five years, because, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that would, it's, that's the only time I'd say somebody's actually behind in life. Mm -hmm. And that's fear. A lot of it's fear or lack of resources usually. So spot on. I can completely relate to that. Like I've been saying for about two years, like I want to film and make my own like lyric music video because I want to learn how to, you know, use Final Cut and like uh, I want to learn how to use these cameras and things. I have been putting that off (laughs) for so long. And finally this summer, I just did it Um, because I remember watching Lana Del Rey's video games music video. She shot that all herself and she took stock uh, video from other places to put it in. And it's such a cool like edgy music video. She did it herself. I'm like, I can do this. And my housemates are like filmmakers. I'm like, it's time to stop talking about it and actually do it. And as I'm like, this is so easy. It's so easy. It's like the only thing that got in my way, just as you were saying, was fear and lack of resources. And I have, I've had the resources and it was just the fear in the way that's like, well, it's not going to be good enough, blah, blah, blah. It's like, just put it out. It's like, it's okay. It's like, just put out what it, and it doesn't even have to be permanent, but, um, it is going to be good enough. It's fine. It's just like, you know, building up the the confidence again <laughs> to just do it. Yeah. Just start. I mean, even with us, our podcast, like I started talking about this podcast like three years ago, right before I moved and I kept bringing it up and bringing it up, but like it's, it is, it's, it's fear of if I start, then I'm going to have to compete. If I start, then I'm going to have to have this container to look at and compare or whatever, you know, and what, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And usually it turns out way better than we think it's going to. And we're like, Oh, like so surprising. Right. But you have to actually let go of the fear for a second and take that step, which is the hardest step in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always remember that there's like room for all of us too, because your podcast is going to reach people that need to hear you and your voices and they connect with you. Like there's something about your vibration that really like helps them and helps them grow. And I always think about that too. Like there is really no competition at the end of the day, because we're all bringing something so unique to the table, our own flares, our own journeys that give us the ability to speak like we speak. And somebody out there needs to hear that. And so it's, it's really a blessing that you guys have this platform because you're helping people. And I love being able to just sit here and hang out with you guys and chat with you because, so it's really special. It's like, if you can break through that fear, like you're healing your community as well, um, which is so special. It's like you, you light up a pathway for other people and you might've inspired somebody else to be like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And you know, it has this beautiful ripple effect. 
Thank you for saying that. It means a lot to us. And, you know, we don't, we don't do this for any reason other than we, we wanted to use a space that was creative to talk about life and different things that happen in life. And, you know, we don't, we don't get a lot of that. So it really, you know, it's nice. It's nice to hear that, especially from a fellow podcaster. And I'm sure you're doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, what's really cool about the podcasting world is that we might all be in similar fields. We might even be in the same field, but what I have to say, what Ryan has to say, what you have to say are all different. So, you know, it's cool that you can go to different podcasts and get that experience and we're all different, but it's really cool that we can all support each other too. I really like that about this podcast world. And it's the same thing. I'm sure you know, in the therapy world and finding a therapist that works for you, same with the coaches and the wellness world and everything I'm doing too. Like that was a big thing for me stepping into creating a course for the first time. I was like, Oh no, I'm like, I'm not, I can't do this. And then I was like, well, listen, I, I bounce around from teacher to teacher from different healer to healer as I grow and evolve. So I'm going to meet somebody that like needs to hear my perspective. And I also look at what I'm doing as like, I'm speaking to myself five years ago. So my target audience, quote unquote, is like me five years ago, and I have something to offer them. So I think that's important to keep in mind too, that like, you don't have to be at the the top. There is no top. There's just like, it's helping people come up and heal um, from what you've learned. And we all have something to offer there. Yeah, beautifully said. Well, we really appreciate having you on. We had such a great conversation. And I think that our listeners are going to take so much from this episode. Um, One, I want to hear some resources that you feel like you want to share with our listeners, either books that helped you during your growth or, you know, your own course and how to find it. Sure. Okay. The first book that just came to mind, um, if you guys are really into the spirituality, like, uh, you know, sacred rituals, all of these things. Shaman Durek has been such a fun teacher. He has a book called Spirit Hacking that I just loved reading. It's a quick read and it's fascinating. I'm actually reading it again right now. So check out Spirit Hacking. Um, I've also been a member of Lacey Phillips, The Pathway um, for about a year and a half now, which is all about, you know, diving into that shadow work, which is beautiful. Um, and then of course I'll shout out my own course, which is, uh, it's cultivating confidence. It's an eight module self-mastery course. We're doing guided meditations, EFT goal setting, all the, all the stuff we talked about today. Um, and it's a go at your pace kind of course. So that's all on my website, helendenham.com and at helendenham underscore is my Instagram. And on my website, you'll find the podcast, blog posts, newsletter, sign up, literally everything. So. Thank you so much for letting me share that. And uh, it's such a blessing to be able to sit with you two today and just hang out. It was wonderful. Thank you for being here. And we appreciate you bringing your insight. And this was such a fun conversation. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.